You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 789 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Sunday evening into Monday morning. And today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's show will feature an interview that I did with Zach Hood of the Step Back and Peachtree Hoops, etc., etc. It'll be a multi-part Edition slash primer about the NBA draft wings available this year in the 2020 class. If you missed it previously, Zach and I already did multi-part shows on centers and the combo forwards and the combo guards in the NBA draft. Sort of a broad, wide-ranging overview of the draft prospects that are available as we ramp up closer to the lottery. Um, but before we get to Zach, a, a bit of news to touch on that dropped over the weekend from Rick Bonnell of the Charlotte Observer. Uh, Rick is a longtime beat writer for the Charlotte Hornets, does a really good job, has been there forever, and is uh, definitely well regarded around the league. Uh, he cited three sources indicating that the NBA is progressing on a plan for non-bubble teams like the Hawks and the Hornets to restart practice and then potentially, again, I say potentially, hold group workouts together sometime in August. The proposal that Bonnell reported on which, by the way, does not have uh, the approval so far of either the league or the Players Association at this point in time, which is very important because those are very big hurdles that any any proposal slash deal has to uh, overcome. But the proposal that he touched on over the weekend basically talks about a week of practice um, at individual teams' home facilities, like for the Hawks over there in Brookhaven at the Emory Sports Medicine Center, etc. Um, that would start the second week of August, according to this provision. Um, and then from there, you would have, again, the potential for about two weeks of group workouts at two different locations um, that are basically at teams' uh, facilities that are not in Orlando. Atlanta is, of course, one of those one of those options. But at this point in time, the reporting from Rick uh, does not know which cities are going to be in play. There was the reporting. And by the way, the last major reporting on this was like three or four weeks ago from Jackie McMullen of ESPN, who reported on discussions in early, in early July. And presumably, um, the reason for the delay, if there is one here, is that the NBA, the, the NBA is kind of focusing on Orlando and uh, getting the restart off the ground in the bubble, etc. But the clock is kind of ticking a little bit. Of course, the ESPN reporting talks about Chicago as a potential site. That's, of course, the biggest city um, involved. And you're talking about, obviously, there are some major markets involved. Uh, you know, New York is one where... They could do that. They do have the facilities, but I think Chicago is the one that everyone was talking about even before that as the maybe the most logical option of all the bubble teams because the Knicks are not exactly uh, over the moon reportedly to actually participate in this kind of stuff. They just hired a head coach though, so maybe that maybe that would change things. But you have some big markets. You have Atlanta. You have New York. You have Chicago. You have you have Oakland slash San Francisco with Golden State, etc. We'll see what happens with all that stuff. But again, the clock is kind of ticking because of the fact that it's, for, at least to me, it's pretty obvious that it needs to happen before the draft and free agency in October because I know Summer League is usually after the draft and that's more young player focused. This time around, yes, teams would like to see young players, I'm sure, but also um, if you want veterans to participate, like if the Hawks wanted to see their guys who are already on the roster, even their young veterans, of course, like your, your Trey Youngs, your John Collins, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, the Capella, those guys are more likely to come and play, I would imagine, if it's a little bit earlier. They want to have their offseason. And if it's happening after the draft, you're getting into, like, 
those guys can, might be asked to report if the season starts in December. They could be asked to report in November. So I can't imagine that a, a delay might push that back even further. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I'm obviously following this very closely. It is interesting to me and noteworthy that nothing's been reported for quite some time now. But Rick, again, is pretty dialed in here. And uh, a decision has to be happening in the pretty near future, in my opinion, to see what happens. Um, I'm sort of on record. I'll say it again here for anyone that might have missed this before. I'm kind of indifferent on this. I think the Hawks obviously have been very clear the entire time since well before the bubble decision was even made that they definitely want to have some sort of workouts. And I'm on record as saying the practice time and the individual and the team workout time is honestly more important to me than actually playing games. I know most fans want to see games. That's why you might want to do that. I think evaluation-wise, that could be kind of misleading uh, in some respects. Obviously, I wouldn't mind having some games to watch, so I'm not against it. It's just that uh, I think I might be a little bit overblown in terms of actually having that competition and who's going to play, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I'll, be just, I'll be interested to see what happens here. Obviously, I'll be following this closely. It wouldn't hurt to have more content and more opportunity for the Hawks to get together and play some games. Even with even if there aren't games, though, uh, just having those guys in the building and be able to actually play competitively and be coached and like have a full-blown offseason and activity slash training camp kind of thing would be new. And the Hawks, I know, have they've got individuals that have been in the facility. Obviously, Trey Young's been around. He's been posting on social media. Guys have been around the facility for the last few weeks and maybe even longer than that, of course. But that's different than having everybody there together and having the coaches there, et cetera, et cetera. So this, uh, we'll see what happens there. But that's the latest on that. If something changes in the, in the next couple of days, I'll obviously report on that. But uh, that's where we are for now, courtesy of Rick Bunnell of the Charlotte Observer. Okay, before we get to Zach, I wanted to tell you about the good folks at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible to stock all the car and truck parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait forever while the person behind the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry. Instead, you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket, and it's a much, much better option, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. RockAuto.com is everything you need. Just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Chain stores had different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at RockAuto.com, prices are the same for everybody, and they're always the lowest prices possible. The RockAuto.com catalog is also very, very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts that you um, can get for your vehicle and choose the the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer to have. And RockAuto.com is for everybody. It does not require a membership of any kind or an account login. And best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So why in the world would you spend up to, up to twice as much for the same exact parts? You want to go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. From there, you want to write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com and without further ado, here's my conversation with Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops and the step back and all over the internet on some of the wings available in the 2020 NBA draft class. Zach, thanks as always for joining me. How you feeling uh, as this new week begins? I'm hanging in there. I appreciate you having me on again. Uh, how are you doing, bro? I'm all right. As I sort of teed up before I brought you in, we're going to split the wings into multiple episodes, with this being the first of them. I told people earlier uh, last week that I'm going to try to do a little bit shorter on some of these. So um, this one, uh, I have basically eight or nine guys uh, in terms of uh, the wings that we'll split up and talk about. 
yeah, we'll just talk about players as we as we've been doing. If you missed this in the past, we've just kind of been talking about all of the available players as we know right now. And uh, I know there's still time to for guys to go in and out of the draft, but uh, eight or nine guys on the agenda today. So uh, in general, the wings are interesting in this group because there are a couple guys who are definite lottery picks. Um, but other than that, there's not that like number one kind of wing talent in this class in terms of like that's that kind of does everything that you would want. You have guys who are specialists in some ways. You have versatile three and D players, but there isn't that overwhelming uh, number one kind of wing talent in this group. But I think there is some depth uh, along the way, which we'll talk about today. Yeah, it is kind of weird in the at the top. Like there's no someone who's like really athletic and can shoot. You have guys like Okoro, Okoro who you know, can do a lot of things, but people are worried about the shot. And then you have Vassell who kind of does everything, but he's not the best athlete. And then you have guys like Neesmith who can shoot, but nobody, you know, really knows if he's going to do anything else. And then, you know, we'll get into all these guys, but you get down to like Josh Green. Um, You know, he's probably like, you know, like on our little sheet, you have him fourth. Um, I might have him with the top three guys, but... um, I agree at the top it's like definitely I wouldn't think there's a generational type of player in this group. Yeah, there's some upside to be sure, and we'll always touch on those guys uh, later on, but I want to sort of set the stage a little bit. Uh, For the most part on today's show, we're going to talk about the guys who are widely projected to either be second-round picks or uh, two-way guys or undrafted guys, but guys who are draftable in general um, and are always talked about in that range. So we'll just dive into them now. Uh, by the way, a few of these guys we've already written about at PeacherHoops.com, so if you want more information, that's always a good place to look at. And one of those uh, is Najee Marshall. Um, Najee Marshall is an older guy. He'll be 23 in January, but a 6'7 wing. He's really long. He's a good athlete. He's a good ball handler. Um, but as you might expect in this range, in addition to being old, he has a big-time question mark in terms of his shooting, um, all kinds of catch-and-shoot number uh, weirdness. N- nothing great in terms of that. And He was more of an on-ball player, to be sure. In college, I do like his passing and stuff, but Najee Marshall is someone who I think is in that perfect range of like, yeah, maybe maybe he could be drafted, um, you know, in the late fours or fifties, but probably more likely he might be a two-way guy. Yeah, I actually think his on-ball stuff made his shooting look worse. Um, on synergy, he was fifty-eighth percentile on spot ups, which isn't great, but I mean, it was um, almost a point per possession, so it wasn't like. Like obviously he's probably going to be a more of an off-ball player in the NBA. So I I mean I think you're right though as far as like how it translates. There's definitely a lot of questions with the shot, but I do think there's potential for him to be better off the ball if he's able to get into a rotation, which is a question mark as well. But, you know, Xavier, he played a lot of big time ball and he was, you know, a lead option on the team, so he's definitely worth a look. For sure, and I agree. Like he might, it might be a situation where he works better in a smaller role, and, and maybe that made his shooting look worse, like you're talking about. But uh, he was, he certainly has is in for a transition, as most of these guys are in terms of role. But uh, I do like his game. I'm just not sure if it's going to translate all the way through. But we'll see if he does. And again, a pretty reasonable, you know, late second two way kind of target. Um, from there, I, a guy that I like a lot, I want to mention is Matt Mitchell of San Diego State. 
I, I almost put him on the combo forward list because he's so big and physical, but he's probably more of a wing um, just because he's, he's only 6'6". Um, if he's if he is a combo forward, it's because he is so thick. Like if he's, he's listed at like 230, 240, he is a big individual. And he's already lost some weight. He probably needs to lose a little bit more, but a really good shooter actually um, at San Diego State this year. And he has awesome finishing numbers. So a guy who is really efficient offensively because he can shoot threes and really finish around the rim. He's not a great athlete, but he's super strong because he is so thick. I think defensively he kind of knows where to be, and he'll be pretty switchable. A guy that I actually wrote about, it's not come out yet, but I am uh, I was in charge of the draft profile for Matt Mitchell. I kind of like him um, in that same sort of range. Like, you know, the Hawks famously have the number 52 overall pick. Um I wouldn't be like married to any of these guys in that range, but certainly someone who is draftable and I think is probably underrated because of uh, where he's playing and the fact that he wasn't even the guy on his team. Like they have Malachi Flynn, who was an awesome college player that was sort of the guy for San Diego State this year, but Matt Mitchell was like an all conference guy who was more of a, it's probably an easy transition to being a role player because he was already a role player. And I think he just has that combination of defense, physicality, shooting, and finishing. I think he's a, a pretty interesting flyer as a rotation quality guy maybe later yeah he the body is what's weird i mean he's yep. not the kind of body you see in a lot of nba wings but it's like peter tucker almost like he's like he, he's it's that beast, size though. yeah he's yeah. he's just so physical but he's but he's only like six six and that makes people think like i said he like, might be a four it's just weird to me i don't know how to I, probably a lot of people haven't seen him if uh yep if I could give like a description of him, and I would just add the caveat that this is like not comparing him to Zion, but like <laughs> in the, in the Mountain West, he was like a Zion. Like nobody in the Mountain West was strong enough to mess with this guy. What a he caveat probably... that was, by the way. That was an incredible caveat. He is not as good he, as Zion. I don't think. He, I mean, you can't just say Zion, but like, I know he's a bully, and he's probably got more touch than Zion, but he's obviously not like anywhere in the stratosphere of like explosiveness, double jump, you know, any, any of that, but he's like a bully. And honestly, when he gets downhill, he can do some crazy spins and still ends up dunking it pretty hard. Like he can do stuff that you pretty much don't think he can do. And then he also will make some movement shots that you don't really expect him to make. So I don't know. I really like him. I don't know if I could go like into the first round with him, like you said, but like, 40 around 40 something like that i mean it wouldn't be it wouldn't be crazy to me at all especially if someone like utah or boston someone that could just get him like dribble handoffs and get him going downhill like i don't know i could see him being productive I, I'm, a, I'm a fan also i think he's definitely draftable especially if he uh if you get him to lose maybe like 10 15 more pounds um and keep the keep the strength but also get a little bit more explosive he would be uh, really interesting i like him a lot and uh, i think he is flying under the radar in a big way both because of situation and where he was playing etc um the one international guy on this list that i want to make sure we touch on um, i'm going to butcher the name because i don't know how to say it is uh abdullah and enjoy i think it is i have no idea how to say his name um but I will say this, uh, I liked him already, but Graham Chapel, good friend of the program, wrote a long thing about him at com that is worth looking into. But a guy with good length, um, he's shown some touch that I've seen. I like his passing. Um, not a great like creator, in my opinion, but certainly like a... Um, pretty long and also comfortable playing some in, in some guard roles. I think his defense is what I like most about 
his game, um, he's really long, like I said before, he has good instincts. I think he can be sort of that f- very versatile defensive prospect. Definitely a second rounder, but someone who, especially if you're looking for a stash candidate, and like a team like the Hawks might be looking to use a pick on a stash, on a stash candidate, um, he would be someone to circle for me. Yeah, I like him. I mean, I like you said, Graham uh, Chapel wrote a great thing on him. Graham is always like very thorough, by the way, if you haven't read Graham before. So you look at any of his scouting reports, it's going to have pretty much every part of his game you could imagine somewhere in there. So I would definitely recommend checking that out. But um, I don't know why, and maybe this is wrong. I would need to go back and look more at uh, Lou Dort. But he kind of, I don't know why. It, it just When I did this evaluation, it kind of reminded me when I watched Lou Dort coming out. Um, I do think Ndoye, or however, you know, like the pronunciation, uh, whatever the correct pronunciation is, I think he is a better passer than Dort. Yep. But he's he's kind of that lanky, like multiple position guy that has flashes on offense. Um, this guy is kind of like, like you said in the open about the depth of this draft. Like when I looked at our list and like I started narrowing down again because I haven't looked at every single one of these guys, but I did uh, over the weekend. I that was I mean I looked at him I looked at Mitchell like my extended looks on them and I was like because obviously I've already seen Jones and Petty and all these guys um the depth really is like if you stayed at 52 you could definitely end up with a wing that you like believe in to an extent yeah there's enough guys where if you and there's a school of thought they like look if you can find a if you can find a contributing wing that doesn't take anything off the table um anywhere that's what you want um so taking flyers on wings is usually a good strategy i've advocated for that in the past for the hawks and you know at at times they've like used their 10 days and two-way guys as trying to find that kind of next wing um it doesn't always work obviously it's uh you're gonna miss more than you hit probably but um giving that as a good idea and i think that's uh, not a bad thing i I will say um enjoy is definitely not as strong as ludor i think you know that i just want to make sure that i'm saying that out loud so people don't make that because ludor was like kind of a tank um but they play similarly other than the physicality aspect. Um, but I do like I do like him. Um, and again, that piece by Graham is worth reading for more. A um, couple of guys now I want to kind of group together a little bit, even though that's sort of, sort of unintentional, and that's Corey Kispert and John Petty. Kispert of Gonzaga, John Petty of Alabama. Um, Kispert might go back to school. There's lots of buzz that he's going to go back to school, potentially, at Gonzaga. Um, by the way, if he does, they're going to be loaded. Um, they're already loaded anyway. But a big-time shooter. Uh, is probably his biggest calling card. Um, probably a late second round or undrafted guy, which is why he might go back to school. And he's already 21, by the way. He's a three-year guy already at, at Gonzaga. But Kispert, really good college player. Not going to be a, like a super high usage guy, but someone who would help offenses. He just has a really high skill level and it could really shoot it. That's his primary um, appeal to me. So we'll stop there. What, what do you think about uh, Corey Kispert? I mean, I like him. I... I don't know if he should go back or not. Um, I mean, if he wants to play with Gonzaga, I mean, he'll have a lot of fun if he goes back, if they have a season. But uh, I don't know if his stock will get higher, if that makes sense. Like, kind of is what he is. Um, Gonzaga is loaded, so he's not going to have, like, a higher usage probably than he did last year. Um, As a prospect, though, I mean, obviously a great shooter, has a decent height. I kind of worry about him on defense, but at the stage he's going to be drafted, I mean, you probably are just, you know, taking him if you love the shot, and if he guards, that's a bonus. Um, he is strong. 
So there is potential that he could guard like I don't know, I've thought about it. Do you think he could guard like a Torian Prince, you know, like one of the small ball power forwards? I think maybe. Probably... I mean, I think he's listed at six seven, six 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 seven. Like he's got decent enough length. He is kind of strong. Yeah, that's you're hoping that he is more like a Kyle Corver defender, and I know that's kind of interesting, and that they're both white. I'm not trying to do that, but uh, Corver like was always underrated because well, yeah, you know, and Corver, Corver was always underrated because he was huge. Like Kyle Corver is a big man. People don't understand that about him, but he's a legitimate six seven like broad-shouldered, strong guy. And yeah, he was not ever going to be super athletic or super dominant as a defender, but he knew where to be. And you really didn't push Kyle Korver around. I think Kispert could be something like that. Um, not the kind of shooter that Korver is, because kind of nobody is, but he is a good shooter. And I think that is, to your point about defense, um, I think he could be okay defensively. He's not going to be great, but I think people are going to think that he's bad by just knowing what the profile is of you know white shooter from, from Gonzaga. I think he's a little bit more athletic, a little bit more physical than people might understand and just like maybe looking at the profile. Yeah, I mean, he's... Not, I don't really say that because he's white. I mean, I just... I know. Not, people... I'm just saying he's not Joe Harris. Like, Joe Harris is legitimately fast off the dribble and stuff. Yeah, Joe but... Harris is like a Joe Harris is a leaning toward the guard version of the of the wing. Like Joe right. Harris is a, is really a two. Like he can play three and he has in the past, but he's think... someone who is not. He Joe Harris was like a was like a lead guard at times in college. Like it, Joe Harris Kisper is handle the ball. It's kind of like a mild like Sam Decker. Like Sam Decker had some like vertical stuff that Kisper doesn't have, but like just in terms of like strength and like. I mean, Kisper actually, you know, he had a couple of transition dunks that were nothing to slouch at. Um, he's a pretty good athlete. I'm, I'm, I think yeah. he's underrated as an athlete. Yeah, I think Decker it might be good. I mean, I, I'm surprised Decker didn't make it, honestly, um, just given the shot and the height. So, like, I think that's kind of like the expectation I have for him going in is like either a second round or a two way. And I mean, he might be he he might be able to play the power forward for the Rockets or something, you know, and as a rotation guy. Um, kind of how they used Decker for a while there. But, yeah, he's. Uh, I wish he was a little bit taller for that role, but you're right that he he could play the three, I think. And hold I was up. trying to find his wingspan, but I haven't found it. But I would love to know his wingspan because if his wingspan is like six nine, then that that would make me feel better. Yeah, but I like him. I think he is someone. Of all the guys we've named so far, I think he's probably the most likely to go back to school. I know Matt Mitchell could go back to school as well. And there's a couple other guys that could go back that we're going to talk about in a second. But Kispert, people are kind of expect to go back. Uh, I don't know if he should, like you said, but I'm, I'll never tell a guy what to do if he wants to go back. Right. Gonzaga, Mike, I, I, I get it. This is a weird year, and we've said this before, but um, going back is a bit strange, a bit perilous this year without knowing what's going to happen in college basketball. But if you're going back to Gonzaga, you if the season happens, you're a national you're a national title contender, legitimately. So there's probably some more appeal to that as well. So I don't know. We can leave it there on him, but uh, I think he's interesting and someone who the Hawks could consider taking um, with their second round pick if they're uh, willing to look at him if he's if he's still in the draft. Um, the other guy that I mentioned before briefly is John Petty, who uh, you are a John Petty enthusiast. I know you've seen him play a lot, so I'm just going to defer to you. What do you what do you, what do you think about John Petty? Well. Obviously, the big thing with Petty is he's a great shooter. Uh, he's 6'5", which is, if Petty were 6'8", I think, you know, he might be a first-rounder. But given that he's not the best athlete at 6'5", I'll go with the negative first. Um, defensively, he probably is too slow to guard most guards, especially on-ball guards, and he's not strong enough to guard a lot of forwards. So that's why he might not get drafted or – you know, he might be one of the last picks. But if you're going to go 
upside, I mean, the dude is already a great shooter. He's been a great shooter for three years when he was a freshman. Uh, pretty sure he was one of the other guys on the court when Alabama almost won three on five. It was just him and Colin Sexton jacking shots. <laughs> and uh, He's just that kind of shooter. He just shoots off of any kind of movement, dribble. Pretty much if you go under a screen or if you slack off, like the ball is going up. And he already shoots off the line in college a little bit, so I'm not really worried about that translating. Um, like I said, everyone's known he's been a great shooter for three years, so he's already he already gets contested, highly contested. I think the only question is like if he's just a disaster on defense or not, which is possible. But that 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 is the big thing. He is definitely profiles more of a, as a specialist and the path, yeah the path to being that guy is that and, and having it work is that you just are okay on defense I'm not sure he can get there and that's why Petty is like I think usually when I hear or see or read stuff about him he's not going to get drafted he's usually in that like 60 to 70 range for guy, for people on their boards I kind of get it I, I like it I like it maybe a little bit more than that but uh, particularly in Atlanta, I don't think the Hawks should draft him. I think if you get him on a two-way, then that would be good. But um, the the defensive fit is not ideal for what the Hawks already have on the perimeter. But if you if you th- if you think that he can be okay defensively, there's enough uh, as a, as an off-ball shooter where you would obviously be really interested in him. Um, but he's definitely more of a shooting guard uh, on the shooting guard size uh, kind of thing versus the you know wings wing could be a definition that var- that varies quite a bit. He's a one position player. I think he's just a shoot. He's just a shooting guard, which is a, which is fine. He's not too small, but uh, hopefully you're just hoping that he's can hold his own defensively. That's the biggest question with him, other than you know, because off, offensively we kind of know what he can do. He can really shoot it, and that's his calling card. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would imagine a decent amount of your listeners watch SEC basketball, but yeah, if you haven't seen him, uh, just check him out. He's a special shooter and. He honestly reminds me of Troy Daniels. He's not probably that good of a shooter, but he's a little bigger. So, and Troy Daniels is not like Troy Daniels is in the NBA. He's not ever really been a like permanent rotation fixture, but a guy who's been he's a guy who's been in the league for a long time now because he can do one thing really well. And that's there's a path to that. It may not be again. It may not be like full blown rotation player all the time. And weirdly, Petty's free throw shooting is kind of bad, and I, I don't understand why. Because like I, everyone knows he's a good shooter, but just for reference, forty four percent this year from three on like pretty big volume for college, he can really shoot it, and uh, we'll leave it there. But I think he's interesting, to be sure. Um, the last guy I want to get to before we sort of it's sort of like a big three on this list that I think are guys who would get drafted for sure if they were in the draft if they stay in the draft. Um, the guy before that is Nate Hinton who is a draft Twitter darling. I've always liked Nate Hitton quite a bit. He's from Houston, uh, 6'5", really long, um, defensively really interesting, like versatile team defense um, maven. I really like that about him. Like I've, People know about my obsession with defense, but I think he's really good on that end of the floor. He can rebound. He's a good athlete. He plays really hard. Uh, I think he can shoot it too. Like definitely more of like a you know three and D is a very broad interpretation. But I think Nate Hitton really is kind of a three and D player. That isn't going to go very high in the draft, but um, I would probably have him hit in the top like forty, and I think I'm outlier high on him. But I certainly would be looking at Nate Hinton as the Hawks at their second round spot. Um, I think he would just kind of fit almost anywhere. It's not a, it's not an exciting profile um, for people that don't love defense, but I think I just like 
what he does. And he doesn't really he doesn't really do anything that poorly either. He's just one of those plug and play kind of guys where it's not terribly exciting, but I really like Nate Hinton a lot. Yeah, he's got a weird and I mean you could obviously this isn't like the end all be all, but his synergy profile is so weird. Like he's <laughs> he's he's an off the ball player, but he had twelve cutting possessions in the season. Houston's kind of a strange uh, evaluation guess... piece too. Like Houston's always kind of odd to evaluate. Like he was all AC, he was all AAC this year. Um, and by the way, I think that was yeah. This is this is his sophomore year at Houston. His numbers are not incredible, but he shot thirty nine percent from three. And by the way, he averaged nine rebounds a game uh, as a six five you know, maybe small forward size, maybe even more like shooting guard size player. He was averaging 17 rebounds per 100 possessions. Like, he just plays so hard that he, and plus he's a good athlete in that league especially. But, yeah, to your point about, I mean, his synergy profile, you can talk more about that I I don't have it in front of me, but his profile in general is just really weird looking because the steal rate's really high, um, and the rebounding is like, it's kind of staggering how good he is as a rebounder. I'm not sure how not, I'm not sure how much that translates, but it's not a bad thing. Yeah, uh, kind of weird comparison, just off of like his strengths is like Robert Covington, um, but smaller. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, smaller, but just the rebounding, kind of how he's just like a floor spacer. I mean, at least how he projects. You don't know if he's going to shoot, but he graded as a good spot up shooter. Um, and then obviously defensively, I mean, I would actually like to see him stay in Houston and go to the Rockets and just stand in the corner and play defense, but he could also do that in Atlanta. I must say he'd he'd be good in Atlanta. I mean, I'm in a, there's, it's not like he's, it it doesn't have to be him, but he, I think he would fit well in Atlanta. Um, that maybe I'm, I'm sure I'm higher on him than people, than a lot of people are. Like I was looking as we speak, like I know some of the mainstream boards like Sam's board and uh, the ESPN guys are not as high as I am. Um, but I know uh, like Brian Schroeder, good friend of the program, loves Nate Hinton. Uh, Draft Twitter definitely likes him quite a bit more than the consensus people do. And that's not always right, right or wrong, but he's fairly young. He's pretty long and does a lot of things well. So give me a shot on Nate Hinton. Uh, sign me up for that. Um. Okay, three more guys to hit on real quickly. Two of them are teammates, so we'll go to those guys first. Uh, Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe. They're very, very different players, despite being similarly sized height-wise. Uh, we'll start with Ma- we'll start with Mason Jones, who's also like an exceptionally weird basketball player. Um, he is a huge volume scorer who is really good at scoring, despite the fact that he's not a very good athlete at all, and he's like a super below the rim player. But he's so crafty and creative, and people are split on whether that's going to translate because he's just such a non like non NBA level athlete on paper. But he gets the line a lot. He handles it pretty well. Like he's a legit six five. I just don't know how it translates because he's definitely a scorer, and I'm not, I'm not really sure what else he's going to be able to offer an NBA team at a high level. Like, can he be okay at other things? Certainly. But he just like this, I'm not trying to be mean about this, but he actually just might just be an awesome European player. Like, and the, the guy who I am thinking about right now, uh, it's not a perfect comp, but a former Hawk is why I'm saying it. He kind of reminds me of Lamar, of Lamar Patterson. And Lamar Patterson was a guy who, like, I always thought was going to be much better not in the NBA because he just wasn't a great athlete. And he did a lot of other things well, but at a certain point, if your primary thing is, like, scoring and creating and you're not a great athlete, you got to be so awesome at it. And Jones might be, 
but he's just so weird. It's not. I'm trying to think of a better word to say that, but he's just not a prototypical player anyway. Yeah, I think when you watch him, you would think that he runs more isolation than he does, but he only ran 15% of his possessions in isolation, which was a lot. I mean, it was 95 possessions, but I think that might be the part of his game that kind of like, at least at the NBA level, you know, goes away. But he graded pretty well. I mean, he graded awesome in transition, which is obviously a huge concern as far as if it translates. But as far as his spot-up shooting and his pick-and-roll ball handling, I think I buy it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what I worry about is, like, how much of his offense, like, almost a quarter of his possessions were in transition. And if you go from being an excellent transition player in college to a bad one in the NBA, and that's a quarter of your game, I'm not sure it's going to be like bad, but to the point about his lack of burst, it's kind of funny to think about him being an incredible transition player because he just doesn't profile as one. Like athletically, normally guys who are awesome in transition, not always, but I would say usually, are explosive, and he's just not. Um, but to he's your point, like. It. He's just yeah. good at scoring, though. Like, it, right. I mean, that, that, and that's what I mean, and that's what I'm usually saying. I'm not even saying like if it doesn't work in the NBA. I am very confident Mason Jones is going to be an awesome European player for a long time, and it's because he's he's just good at basketball. He's so crafty. He know he knows how to play angles. He, you know, he's just really skilled. It's just if you're worried about him, it's that if it doesn't, if the scoring in particular doesn't translate like on the ball in the NBA, I don't really know what plan B is going to be for him and I feel bad about saying that because he does a lot of things well I just don't know what the role is the role was the hardest thing for Mason Jones for me and I might, I might just be wrong about this but I'm trying I try to put him on teams and I try to think of like where he would work or where the partnership would work where you would invest in him and have it return value and it's just hard for me to find the spots where he would have the kind of role that he needs to have I don't know yeah, he's definitely weird. I mean, I'm trying to compare him to someone that came out and then became a good NBA player, and it's it's not easy. I mean, a lot of times those good college players that you have questions about, or those questions are validated and they don't make it, at least, you know, especially on the level that you thought of them as a college player. I mean, um, just just for reference, you you if you just saw his, his stats and realized that he is playing in the SEC, you would be stunned that he's not like a – definite drafted guy but like mason jones is uh number 78 on sam Vecini's board for the athletic and i'm yeah. looking it up now like i think he's outside the draftable range for espn as well so it's not like we're on an island here it's really bizarre because usually a guy that has this kind of efficiency and this kind of produ- productivity at a big program would go higher than this unless there was like an obvious physical limitation but there really isn't that. I mean, he's yeah, he's 76 for ESPN, too. So outside the top 75 on the two most mainstream boards. And it's surprising. I think part of that, at least for me, is like, I just don't know how I don't, I don't know how it's going to work. I'm not saying it's not going to. It's just really tough. He's such a weird player. Yeah, I mean, just the comparison. I mean, not a literal comparison, but he's kind of like the SEC wing version of Jordan Nawara. I mean, Nawara's a player of the year candidate. and Yeah. He's tried to go to the NBA thing twice and pretty much got crickets back. 
So yeah, they're uh, that's not that's actually not bad. Obviously, Nora people don't, may not know who he is. It's like a more of a combo forward type and has more size. But same thing, like limited athlete, really good craft, really productive guy in college. But uh, I, I would think similar translation questions, and most of them are based on the uh, limited burst that either guy ha- either guy right. has. I would say I do. If we had to compare those guys, I think Jones has a better shot just because of the ball handling. Um, he just like might I be think, so good at everything else that it works. Like, right? Like, I, think I, Jones, I don't want to be doubting Mason Jones because he's really fun and really skilled, like exceptionally skilled. So I'm not putting it past him to make this work. It's just that if it works, it won't be in a traditional way. It's going to be like he just wills himself to it, and he's capable of that. I like him a lot. He was really good this year too. Trying to think, like, who's like the least athletic guy in the NBA that gets 15 a game? Uh, uh, I'm sure there's someone uh, I would think of off the top of my head, but yeah, I it's can't, uh, I can draw in a blank, but like there's got I just I don't know. Comps are stupid, but just in terms of like the craftiness, like I'm just trying to think of a comparison. Maybe maybe I'll think of one, but uh, for now we'll we'll move on just because I don't want to spend too much time on Mason Jones. But a guy who I like, I just uh, not sure how it works. His teammate uh, Isaiah Joe was like in like undisputedly not as good as Mason Jones in college, but I think pretty clearly as a better prospect than Mason Jones. Um, Joe, 6'5", pretty skinny, but uh, really good shooting indicators. Um, like, pretty much, I would say, one of the best off-ball shooters in the class. Um, moves really well, could be a specialist type um, because of that. You get, you get, by the way, quick release, too. Um, definitely a better off-catch guy than off-dribble guy. Off-dribble is not fantastic, but in the NBA, that may not be as big of a deal. Um, but he's just got to get stronger for me. Like you're hoping Isaiah Joe's okay defensively. And he's another guy, by the way, who could go back to college. We've heard some of that buzz that he could go back. Um, but a guy who definitely for me is like, should get drafted. I'm not sure he will get drafted, but he's, he's certainly in my opinion, like he's in my top 60 for sure and should be picked. I'm just not sure the league is as high on him as I am. Cause I think, you know, there's enough to pick apart where if you go beyond the shooting, there is some stuff that you don't love. But I think the shooting is just so good that I would take a shot at him. Yeah, I think he's, like, probably similar to Petty in terms of, like, you know, you might not take him, but I think he'll have a two-way for sure as soon as the draft's over. Oh, he should, um, for sure. He, but He's the same size. I mean, he's a little more... Um, of just a basketball player than just a compared to Petty is just like a, a pure just like guy. He's just out there trying to get shots up. Well, um, and the re- the reason why like I wanted to say this about before I forget this, Joe and by the way, shouts to uh, your friend and mine, Andrew Kelly, for this exact stat um, because we've all we've often discussed all, online and offline that uh, getting threes up and volume is almost as important as making them at a high clip. Uh, Isaiah Joe attempted sixteen point four. Three pointers per per hundred possessions this year, that's not a misprint. Sixteen threes per hundred possessions. He attempted almost eleven threes a game in college. That doesn't happen. You don't t- you, guys don't guys don't guys don't take eleven threes a game, especially when they're not like the only o- offense. Like Isaiah Joe was not even the number one option a lot of the time. He took eleven threes a game. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's funny. Like you're going. I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked about that in the chat, but. Uh, in post game, I don't remember if it was this season or last season, or um, but someone was talking about Donovan Mitchell or something. I think he, I think actually they were talking about Trey Young, 
and he was still struggling at this time, so it must have been last season. And Lloyd Pierce was like, I mean, Trey got up 21 shots tonight. You know how many guys in the NBA can get up 21 shots in a game? <laughs> yep. Like, it's true. It's it's like, and then he brought up Donovan Mitchell. How like when Donovan Mitchell went out and went four for 20 or something in his first game, he said the same thing. Like he played great. He just for a rookie, you know. So I, I think to your to your point, like that is huge. And some somebody like Petty only took 10, and I just talked about how much he shoots. So that should put the 16 into perspective per 100 possessions. 16. That is, that is an outrageous yeah. number. I mean, I went up to <laughs> I went to look up Petty because I was like, it's got to be close, and it's not even close. Like as much as Petty shot, he only took 10.4. And, and by the way, that's and that's a lot. That's a lot of free point attempts yeah. uh, in college when you aren't a primary, especially. And that just kind of goes to show how crazy it is to be a high minute guy and average sixteen three point attempts per hundred possessions. That's that's a ton. Yeah. No. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue with Joe. I know people who really like him a lot, and I know people who you know have him lower. But at this range of the draft, you could just say that about anyone. I mean, there's going to be guys that people love and guys that people either just don't look at enough or don't like for whatever reason. But I think Joe's kind of easy too, like because it's basically, you know, he didn't he didn't make as many threes as you want. But I think honestly, anyone who's reasonable, I feel like Joe is going to be a good shooter. It's that it's just everything else. Like if you don't buy that he can defend at all, or you don't buy that he kind of just can. I don't know. It's, well, you could twist the shooting numbers however you want. Because the yeah. year before he played eight more, or he, the year before he played nine more games, and he shot a better percentage. So, these, on, high, on high volume too, right? Not, not eight, quite eight, as high, but eight still attempts high. per game. And he wasn't playing as much minutes. He played thirty minutes this year. He played thirty-six minutes per game, which could be a reason for the dip in percentage. Which he still shot thirty-four percent. But I mean, he's literally not coming out of the game pretty much. So. And and bombing too, like and that's the other thing I should have mentioned before: his shooting real range too, not just like foot near, like foot on, like foot near the line threes in college. Uh, range is not a concern for Isaiah Joe. Yeah. I don't know; he's going to be a good shooter. It's just I worry, even as someone who definitely would draft him, um, like Atlanta is not the best spot for him. I don't think. I think he needs to be ideally somewhere where he's the worst defender on the floor and can just be your like specialist backup shooting guard. Um, you know, defensively, I worry. A lot. He's just really skinny and not yeah. strong and not 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 really super active all the time. And I don't know. It's pretty. It's a pretty typical profile. It's just kind of on steroids because he shoots so much and right. I think pretty well. Yeah the the volume thing is is legit. Like, but you have to be able to stay on the court to get that volume. So we'll see. But you know, I, I like him. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely towards like. I, I would say accurately ranked towards the top of this group. Um, and yeah, also I mean, for, he's not probably as good as like Desmond Bain and those guys. He's not that good, but you know, he's, he's good enough to where like around 40 or 50. If you need shooting, he, he's got to be on your list. Yes. Uh, probably a specialist, but still someone who should have some value. Um, the last guy I want to get to before we get out of here on this, uh, this part of the multi-part episode as Aaron Henry of Michigan State, uh, another guy who absolutely could go back. There's lots of buzz on on Aaron Henry, and uh, um, b- part of that is because the, his stock is not super high right now, at least in the mainstream. But a guy I've always really liked, uh, six five six six, uh, pretty good, pretty good athlete, pretty long. Um, Michigan State, uh, the usage there was always a little bit strange. Like I would put him in the Jaron Jackson Jr. club. 
of guys who were used very strangely at Michigan State in a different way. Obviously, Jaron Jackson was a five-star who they just benched at times for no reason. Um, but Aaron Henry got pulled a lot. He was on. He was in the doghouse for Tom Izzo quite a bit. Uh, I saw him play a ton as a Big Ten observer. I think he's going to shoot it, but that, he's not great right now as a shooter. That's probably it's one of his one of his swing skills. Um, but good, a good uh, numbers sort of attacking closeouts. I've always liked that about him. But basically, for me, he's Aaron Henry is a guy who does a little bit of everything. I think he's going to be a good defender, maybe even a very good defender. Um, he's just not terribly exciting um, in the way that he played at Michigan State in a pretty small role. I don't know. I've always liked him more than most people have. Like I thought he was a sleeper to be a first round pick before the season. That's now pretty much out the window, I think, but I would definitely draft Aaron Henry. Um, probably, I'm going to have him probably in the 40s if he stays in the draft, maybe even the 30s. Um, I like Aaron Henry more than most people do, but what do you think about him? Yeah, I know. I, I like him. I, I Obviously, you watched Michigan State more than I did, but um, to your point about him going off the floor, I think part of that is just he was a little wild, and they have Cassius Winston, so... Yep. I think at, at times they were tempted to just like, hey, let's put like four, six, nine guys out here and Cassius Winston and, you know, run it. Um, also, to your point about Jackson, Izzo seems to just get mad at people. So I don't know. Um, but re- really physical. He kind of reminds me of uh, Robert Woodard a little bit. He's a little smaller, not that strong. But I, uh, I definitely like him. I just... I'm not like he's one of those guys where like I'm just not positive like what his role would be, but at the same time he's like very gifted. He, you know, his passing is, I would say a plus. Uh, his defense is in- intriguing. Um, I don't know. Like I just he's kind of a weird like on ball wing sometimes. So like I don't know if I like the fit in Atlanta. Yeah, the the argument against Henry is that he doesn't do anything exceptionally well. Um, but the argument in favor of Henry is that he doesn't really take anything off the table unless you just hate his shooting. And I think he's going to be able to shoot enough. Again, he's not exciting like in a way that some other guys might be. I still think that he should be drafted, but he is actually, he's actually the guy that might benefit by going back to college in a normal, a normal scenario. I, I hesitate to say that just because of how weird it's been at Michigan State. I wish he did not go to Michigan State. I wish he was somewhere else where it – but – Cashers will be gone. Um, Tillman might be gone too. I, I expect him to to play more consistently anyway. If he goes back, I think he is maybe not a super rare guy, but there are. I'm usually not a guy who's encouraging people who I think should be drafted to go back to, to, to go back to, to go back to school. And he could go back and save himself uh, and make his stock a little bit better because while I have him in my top fifty like firmly, that's not a, cons- a consensus opinion. I think he might go undrafted. Um, which I think is kind of crazy, but I also kind of understand it too. So I don't know. I like Henry Henry a lot, but there you go. I'm kind of surprised you like him just because he has that, that like on ball, like weird, like, I don't know. I just, you don't like Kyrie. Like, I just feel like you never like guys who like try to do stuff with the ball. I I don't think that he's going to be able to to do that in the NBA. Like, I think he's, I don't know. I like, I I like his secondary stuff more. I think he is going to be, a relatively low usage player in the NBA. Like his passing is pretty interesting to me, but I think I think of him more of a more in a three and D, not not a perfect three and D role, but someone who is more in that kind of role. I don't I don't think he's going to be an on ball guy. I think he could be maybe a secondary like attack closeouts guy, but that's the part of him that I don't love. I think it's everything else that I like. I think defensively he's going to be good, and 
he's got enough awareness and shooting and I don't know. He just checks a lot of boxes, but you're right. I, the stuff I don't think of him as a on ball creator type. Like he can, he can do a little bit of that, but it's more of a secondary function for me. He's like, I don't know why, but like for whatever reason, like three lefty comps, just like whenever I watch him, he reminds me of like, um, like if you mixed like Rodney hood and Shabazz Muhammad like together, cause he's not like, He's not as smooth as Rodney Hood was in college. Like Rodney Hood was like obviously a great shooter in college, and he's not like just fat like Shab- like Shabazz was, <laughs> or just like I don't know if Shabazz was, <laughs> was fat. I don't know if he was fat when he got drafted, but he was he was never skinny again once he got to the league. Um, I don't know. He's just kind of got that like semi like bully ball like post game kind of like Rodney Hood style, and then I don't know. Like I, I think defensively though, you're just trying to take advantage of that part of his game, and then especially like in transition, he can do some like crazy stuff as far as like in terms of blocks and just getting his hands on balls that you don't yeah. expect him to. Yeah, he's a great athlete. I mean, he's a really good athlete. He's really long too. Like I think there, there's there's a, there's a discrepancy about his wingspan, but it's somewhere in the six nine to six eleven kind of range as a six five six six guy. Like he's really long. I don't know. People shouldn't be surprised that I like him defensively. Like I think he's going to be really good. It's just, the question with Air Henry is whether he can stay on the floor offensively. That's definitely what the question is, um, and that's a rel- it's a valid concern because if he if he if he doesn't make shots in terms of like making threes and being at least a floor spacing option, then it gets dicey for me. Um, I am betting that he becomes an average three point shooter ish, and if he does that, then I think he's an NBA player. Um, based on his defense, and you, you put him in a small role, and he can do a couple of things with the ball in his hands, etc. But yeah, I've always kind of liked him. Um, it was not a great year for him at Michigan State. I think even I, as someone who liked him, cooled considerably. Like I thought he was going to be a first round pick coming into the year. Like, like I said before, that's not the case now. I wouldn't take him up there. But if you told me I had a pick in the forties, I would probably consider an Aaron Henry. So, would you compare him to like? Uh like a second rate, like reddish, like obviously he's not going to, you know, get that kind of attention. And, but like just the things he does well are, are kind of similar. Yeah, kind of. I mean, he's not, while he was a good high school prospect, he was not the kind of guy that reddish was obviously. Yeah. He's um, like a three, three star cam reddish. Basically. Yeah. He was like a, yeah. yeah, that's a, and he's a little bit shorter, but defensively they could be kind of similar. Yeah. It's not like perfect, but it could kind of work. Yeah. I just, I just mean in terms of like, what you're looking for from him, not in yeah. Terms he of- will. He's not going to be as good. Obviously, I think he's just a. Honestly, what I what I'm envisioning for Aaron Henry is a rotation caliber wing, and those guys are in high demand. I think if you can put him out there in a playoff series, and he can guard his position, and more, and be active and be long and be physical and not kill you on offense, there's a ton of value in that. And that sort of hypothetical mold. It's kind of the same thing as Nate Hinton. They're very different players, but Nate Hinton is similar size. And another guy I like a lot because if if it works out the way that I think it can, Nate Hinton can be in your rotation in the playoff series. Is he going to be your starting small forward? No, he probably isn't going to be. But he could be your third or fourth wing in a playoff series and not kill you and be able to be played. And there's a lot of value in having a two-way caliber wing that can help you. I don't know. That's just something that I like as a theoretical profile in the modern NBA. And the Hawks have been looking for that guy. I mean, kind of low-key, but they've signed guys like Paul Watson. They've signed guys like Antonius Cleveland. And 
they've had sort of this revolving door of 10 days and two ways. You know, they went with Charlie Brown this year, who was more of an offense first version of that, but they, they're always looking for a wing that they can play. Like it's, it's, and it's smart because if you can find one of those guys that pop and I, I mean, Covington's the one that everybody cites because that he's the one that came out of the process, but you know, that's what you're looking for. You want a wing that pops like that. So it might take you six tries to find that guy, but if you can find them, that's valuable. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason, like, like obviously, uh, Trevion Graham, part of the reason they got him was because it made the cab work in the trade, but they didn't have to keep him and they didn't definitely didn't have to play him. So, I mean, just to your point, like, Trevion Graham hasn't shot well in two years, and he'll probably be on a roster when the season starts. So, yep. Um, Henry definitely has a good chance to stick around, and uh, just given you know, like we were just talking about about the uh, volume, just the fact that he can get up those shots, it gives him a little bit more upside than someone like the guys lower on the list that we talked about. That I mean, other than maybe like Marshall and Jones and. Joe, those guys all also get up a lot of shots, but Henry, I think the way he gets up his shots like translates a little better than someone like that, like those guys. Like he's actually a good athlete, so as long as you can get like the like I think for Michigan State he was kind of like a Deion Waiter sometimes. Like you just you have Cassius out there and you're like we just got to get this guy off the court because Cassius is better. And every time this guy touches the ball, he tries to do something. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Was like at the end of the at the end of the day, it's like there's seven minutes left in the game. You just want Cassius to have the ball. So if right. he can, if he can have self awareness in the NBA and understand, like I wasn't even the guy in college. I'm definitely not the guy here. Um, if he can buy in and do the things like that you have just talked about, the things you want him to do, then I mean, he could easily be one of the top uh, wings. When it's all said and done from this class. Yeah. I mean, uh, last question before we get out of here. Who is your favorite of this group? They're all obviously very different players, but since we're talking about the guys on this podcast, uh, who's your number one or number number one and number two, I suppose, of the guys we, that we discussed on this podcast? Um, well, my favorite is not my one or two. I, Petty's not <laughs> my top two. But he's you love favorite. Petty. I know you do. I just, I'm, on, I'm biased on Petty, but... Uh, I would probably have – I have Henry in the top two for sure just because he just looks more the NBA part like we, we were saying. Just He just does a lot of stuff. And then the other guy, I'm kind of torn between Hinton and Mitchell. Um, I'll say Mitchell. I just like – I think that weight, like even if he doesn't lose a ton of weight, I think that could help him. Um a little bit. I mean, obviously he's going to have to trim down some, but like people just don't like that. <laughs> like if you're if you're 270 pounds and you can and you're still fast and you can drive, like people are just going to get out of the way a lot. Yeah, he's not fun to play against. I don't think. Um, yeah, I don't know for Hawk specifically. My top two is pretty clearly Hinton and Henry. Um, Non-Hawks like just big board. It would either be Hinton and Joe, or Henry and Hinton, or Henry and like those top three. Like I think Joe is on the level of Henry and Hinton for me. If it's not the Hawks, if it's for the Hawks, I would I would just take a shot on either Henry or Hinton if they were there. They just do a lot of things that the Hawks could use. And my whole point about the archetype 
previously still applies. Uh, whereas Joe like is more of a specialist type, but I do think that Joe is a top 50 guy for me in a big board setting. So he'd be on that level too. Yeah, I know those are, those guys are all in my top half. I mean, the guys that I'm not crazy about are Marshall is probably my least favorite. Uh, no disrespect. And then honestly, Petty is like, as much as I love him, I, I do believe in most of these guys more than Petty as far as like actually making it um, and like sticking in a rotation. Like we, Petty is kind of a specialist, but I don't know. I just watched him for three years and I like him too much. <laughs> it's it all right. Like this. I'm, uh, I feel the same way about a couple of, a couple of Michigan guys, um, one of which Isaiah Livers decided to go back to college. Decided to go back to college. So I would have been, been too high on him, but he, uh, he, he saved me the bit. Okay, Zach, uh, plug yourself, my friend. Uh, we'll have more coming in, in the future. We'll wrap part one here. Uh, you, got, you got anything else happen? No, I'm still over at Falcons SI doing all the NFL, you know, Atlanta Falcons stuff, uh, assuming there's going to be some sort of season. And then I'm doing draft stuff for Peachtree. You can find me my personal account at ZHHood underscore on Twitter. And... Uh, free Brad Rowland's Twitter account got freed, everyone. So freed as of fr- to, as of Friday morning, we're back. You don't have to rely on all of us slackers for your hawk stuff now. You got, <laughs> you, you got Brad back. So. Friday morning, we uh, we, we saw the so light. How, how how long was it? Was it a full week or was it more? More than a week. It was nine days, almost nine days. Now it was is, uh, that's when, that, that really gets to the point where you're like, am I going to get it back or not? Yeah, it was it was Wednesday uh, Wednesday early evening until Friday morning. So yeah, almost nine days. It was a long time. Uh, Shouts so to Twitter. How long was it when you were actually like I might not get it back? Uh, I thought I would get it back. I just wasn't sure when. And uh, by the way, to this day, I've not gotten a single response from Twitter support. So it just um, worked. Like you just tried one time and it worked. Yeah, I was trying like twice a day. Um, just giving it a shot and I logged in Friday morning and uh, when I got on it just prompted me to uh, do a, like a password reset and I was in. Yeah, there must have just, just been like patching like thousands of accounts at a time. <laughs> no, no explanation, but alas, here we are. All right, Zach. Well, thanks for joining me. We'll do uh, more on more on the wings later on, uh, but uh, go check out all of our other content about the bigs and the combo guards, the combo forwards, and uh, stay tuned, subscribe, tell your friends, and we'll see you next time.